And I literally said, hey boy. And he's like, yeah. I was like, can I play with you? And he was like, sure. You ever played soccer before? I was like, what's that? And he was like, uh, soccer, like you play with your feet and did it all these things. So I said, no, but I want to play. And so he taught me a couple moves. And then we just played for, I don't even know how long, for a while. Make it another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you goofy solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you goofy solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Yeah. Welcome to the Polkcast, Polk State College's official podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ferguson, and with me is our co-host, Madison Fantasi. Uh, we have a very special guest today on the Polkcast. We are with Kim Newsom Reynolds. Kim was a two-time NJCA All-American here at Polk State in 2007 and 2008. She went on to conclude her collegiate career at the University of Central Florida, where she was an All-Conference USA performer and helped the Knights win two Conference USA regular season titles and advance to the NCAA tournament both years in 2016 she played for the orlando pride of the professional women's national soccer league kim welcome to the podcast hi thank you for having me very good i found this an interesting story so when you learned out learned that you were selected to play for the orlando pride you were actually out of the country is that right yes i was on a missions trip to haiti tell us about that How'd you find out you were uh, headed back to Orlando where you played your college ball? It was amazing. Um, so my husband and I, we lead teams to Haiti for missions trips. And um, there's not a whole, like electricity is, you're lucky if it comes on throughout the day. Um, and one day that the electricity popped on, I got connected to the Wi-Fi and my email started rolling in. And there I saw the email, Kim, when are you back because you're suiting up for this match? And I was like, uh, babe, read this. I literally almost panicked and I almost felt sick. And then I went out and I ran to start getting in shape for the game. It was exciting. How much time did you have to prepare between finding out and then suiting up? Let's see. I believe I had a week left of our trip because we went for three weeks to the missions trip. And so I had a week left and then I ran every day, several times a day. Yeah. <laughs> You started your collegiate career here at then your formerly Kim Newsom of formerly Polk Community College. How did playing here and playing for Coach Bill Reed kind of help prepare you to take the next stage? Oh, Bill Reed, I have a special place in my heart for him. He is wonderful. I actually, coming out of high school, I did not know that community college sports like soccer existed. Um, it wasn't until I did not receive the score that I needed for my SATs or ACTs. Um, I, was, I had already signed my national letter of intent to go to USF um, and ended up not getting that score, so I was not deemed NCAA eligible. All of a sudden, we get a call from a Bill Reed, and I was like, who is that? This guy's accent is like, where, where does he live? He's, this, is, this is interesting. And so they brought me down to Lakeland, and I met Bill Reed, and it literally changed my life because for me, I like to say I was not very studious in high school, but so coming to a smaller school where my, my, my classroom sizes were not so big, it really helped me academically. And then Bill Reed was like, hey, listen, 
our team may not be that strong. However, it's gonna be enough for you in two years when you're done, we'll make sure you're ready to go wherever you're going. And so I really thought that was really encouraging. Um, he helped me stay focused and motivated, um, knowing that my two year goal was a, a university outside of here. Um, but then when season started, I just fell in love and I completely forgot that I was leaving in two years and just, I loved it. Uh, I was just gonna say, um, it's funny you mentioned you didn't even know community college, junior college athletics was a thing. Uh, what's What are maybe some of the misconceptions about I remember that? being embarrassed um, because at my high school, my graduating class was 900, a little over 900. And so it was a huge school overall. It was like close to 4,000 kids. And everyone had seen me sign my National 11 tent on February 4th, 2006. <laughs> um, and people were talking about, oh, your article, we clipped it out, it's on my wall in my bedroom. So they were so excited. And then when I found out I was not getting the score I needed, and then the NJCAA um, came knocking at my door, I remember being so embarrassed and I didn't tell my friends about it because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a failure. They're gonna know I'm not going to D1 on the full scholarship. It was one of the most humbling experiences because the misconception lies in you're not good enough or, you know, those sports, oh, it's just weaker program. And it's just kind of like a, a different pathway until you reach your, your ultimate goal. Um, I'm here to say it changed my life truly because I wasn't ready um, emotionally or mentally for a giant D1 school um, in terms of academics. Um, I, I, just, I just think if anyone had the chance to go that route, the two-year route first, take it. Because it's it's literally a great segue to your ultimate goal. Did you know anything about Polk County? I had no idea <laughs> Polk County existed. I was driving in and I was like, there's cows. This is a major <laughs> highway. Why are there cows on either side? I literally said that out loud. Well, coming back to campus here today, you know, how has it changed and what memories does it bring back from being here um, back when you were a student? Unfortunately, we didn't come to the Winter Haven campus much. Um, I told my husband on the way in, uh, we had only gone to the Winter Haven campus three times. Once was uh, for our workout that we did when we all first arrived in 2007. And then the second and third time was for the award ceremony um, with all of the sports programs um, at the end of the seasons. So I had not you know, been here and walked the grounds um, much. So coming here, it still brought back memories of Lakeland. Um, I, of course, I talked about Bill Reed on the way in. He always greeted me, Kim, how you doing? Nice. And always ended the conversations, be good. So I just, it just made me uh, think of that. And then also I admitted to my husband, I was like, wow, I'm a little sad coming back here because in 2008, I tore my ACL in the beginning of the season. So I actually didn't get to play in the um, national tournament. And so, um, yeah, so it was just, it was a lot of different memories and emotions that had come up, but a lot of great ones though. They, you know, it trumps the bad ones. <laughs> you, you've, you've accomplished quite a bit in your career. You, you were an all-conference performer at UCF. Uh, you played in, in a professional league with the Orlando Pride. Um, looking, when you started here, I mean, did any of that seem possible to you? I mean... So it did, um, fortunately, because of the club team that I had played for, the travel team um, in the United Soccer Club, which is um, now Florida Rush. But um, so I played there and um, I had 
all kinds of interests in me. My first interest was UCLA with Jill Ellis, that former um, women's national team coach. Um, but coming in, I that 2007 season, I was actually had already had my ticket booked for the US women's national team camp. So like I knew my path was different from everyone else's um, simply because of what I accomplished in high school club soccer. Um, and again, signing my national letter of intent to play at a big university, it, there was no, the sky was the limit for me. I just knew I just, I was very motivated um, and I didn't think that I would just kind of be humbled and you know, kind of knocked off knocked onto the ground a little bit when it came to the academics and not and realizing that I was not gonna go to um, a university right away. So, but I always knew my path was different and I knew here, like coming to Polk was just only, you know, just a, a just a little stop in my in my career. How do you feel like your experience at Polk State, you know, gave you that foundation to take the next step and move on? Because you said, you know, you felt like you, in retrospect, you weren't really ready to go right away. How do you feel like Polk State helped you? It helped me mentally, um, just because fitness and I don't get along. <clears throat> yep. And it still doesn't. Um, but so when I came here, I knew, wow, okay, this is going to be a little different. The fitness is not like, you know, it would be at a university. So I was actually thankful for that. So I was like, I have two years to like, you know, kind of get it together and work on my fitness. Little did I know that Bill Reed was a big supporter of fitness. So surprise to me, it continued to help. It helped me continue staying fit and staying ready for my journey after here. So they never had the cows chase you? They never had the cows chase us. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Coyotes, maybe, but. Coyotes, okay, there we go, there we go. It's old school, old, old school. school fitness old school training. training. We didn't have, there it's were cross no training. bits back then. Exactly, just cross training. You've gone on to work as an educator and you, you mentioned you were on a mission trip uh, when you got the call. Um, th this past summer marked 50 years of Title IX legislation. How does athletics and particularly women's athletics kind of mold young women to be productive citizens, better people. Talk about that a little bit, how that all kind of comes together. It comes together, especially for, um, I would say for minority girls, because I grew up in what most would call the ghetto, the project. So I didn't think it was possible for me to even play sports at a high level. And so more so women, um, because you know, you, you grow up with the basketball and the football. And so you don't really see, um, especially in the sport of soccer, you don't, it was not very popular uh, when I was growing up. And so for me to have come up in a time that I did in the you know late 19 or late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't a lot of kids that were like, oh my gosh, soccer, you guys are really good. Up until my high school years where we would be at Disney tournaments and little girl teams would come and go, we're gonna watch your next game. You guys are really good and you guys are awesome. And so we were all like, wow, this is different. Like, why are we at 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds getting this kind of attention from younger girls? So for us, or at least for me, it made me think, oh, okay, so I had an attitude problem and I had to fix that because here these young girls are watching me um, play and they're going to mimic you know, either my skill or my attitude. And so I had to make a decision. My husband over there is probably like, yep. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I had to realize these young girls are watching me now. 
I have to fix everything about me. And, and that included my attitude because <laughs> it was intense. And um, so I think Title IX is, is just so important that it, it was such a breakthrough moment and it started when it did back, what, 50 years ago. Um, I can't imagine what my life would be because I played football when I first started, not football, but American football and never dreamed that I would, you know, play at a high level for American football because it was a guy's sport. So the fact that Title IX happened and it paved the way for girls like me to to play at a high level is huge. It's important. I, I love it. How did you discover soccer? I discovered soccer because I moved into a neighborhood um, we, my, my mom, we struggled and we lived in, like I said, the, the ghetto, the projects. Then she and my stepdad, we mustered up enough finances to move what we jokingly said across the railroad tracks, um, which was <laughs> out of the ghetto and over to the north side, the nicer side. And in that neighborhood, um, I met a young man. Um, he was probably four or five and I was seven close to eight, I think, I was just say eight years old. And I had already made friends, um, social butterfly here. I'm not, I don't know strangers, That's the running joke in my circle is. Um, but I, my friend had to go to school, uh, go to um, run an errand with her family. So I was on my way home. I was not ready to be done for the day. So he was outside with a soccer ball. I had never seen a ball in my life up until that point, eight years old. And I stood out and I watched him from across the street so I looked, made sure no cars were coming, walked across, and I literally said, hey boy. And he's like, yeah. I was like, can I play with you? And he was like, sure, you ever played soccer before? I was like, what's that? And he was like, uh, soccer, like you play with your feet and did it all these things. So I said, no, but I wanna play. And so he taught me a couple moves and then we just played for, I don't even know how long, for a while. And his family came outside and discovered like me playing against him and went out, went back in the house, his dad came out and was like, you guys gotta come out here. This girl's kicking James's butt. I've never seen her before. So they all came out and when we were done, we talked. They walked me home and asked my parents if I could play on their uh, rec team that was starting that spring. And they said, sure, of course. And that's how it happened. And that, that guy that came out, Jim Powell, he was my coach from that day through 18 years old, graduating high school. Wow. wow. What, uh, what is it about the game you love? Definitely not the fitness, as we discovered. Um, <laughs> Even the coyotes. Even the coyotes and the cows. <laughs> the Bill Reed Fitness Program didn't get you hooked, nothing will. What do you feel when you play the game? Like, what's going through your head? Is it, like, all-consuming? Are you, like, totally in the zone? It's definitely all-consuming. Um, I, I will say I became a mental player as well. Um, I struggled with needing to perform and not disappoint my teammates or the fans. So that actually took a toll on me um, mentally in a not so good way, but it didn't hinder me from performing and playing, you know, um, at the highest level I can. Actually it did a little bit, but um, I, I had a joy about soccer and a sense of accomplishment. Um, because it always reminded me of my upbringing and I didn't think that was even possible at all. And so for me to get out and step on the pitch and wear whatever team I was playing for and wear that jersey, I wore it very proudly. Yeah, it was good. I like the competition part of it, the physicality of it too. 
you work as, a, as an athletics director. You work with uh, the youth who are playing soccer. Uh, how do you are you different as a player as opposed to being a coach mentor kind of uh, in in that kind of role or are you kind of the same? Do you find yourself being too competitive? Pretty much the same in the sense that I am very competitive um, when it comes to sports and I you know being at a small private school we actually didn't have a big program. Um, the soccer team that I helped start there, we played for like the local rec league. So we didn't have sports on our campus um, because it just wasn't big enough. Um, so going on Saturday mornings to essentially the rec league, but our team, our school happened to have a couple of teams in it. Um, I had to realize that, you know, it was rec and I had to control my volume and excitement. Um, I, I remember putting a coach in place so I didn't have to coach simply because these were my babies. They were, you know, nervous, excited. And here I was very competitive. So I knew I had to take a back seat because <laughs> otherwise they would probably quit and not want to play for the fun of it, which soccer should be fun. Um, so I guess it is a little different when I'm playing because I have that mindset of I'm going to win, like I'm winning this game, even if we lost, but I had that mindset so I could play at the highest level I could. Whereas my kids, you know, here we are in a little rec program, and if I scream. Did you ever see any Bill Reed in yourself? I did, <laughs> I did. <laughs> because I had them for PE, because I was, it was a small private school, I actually did PE on top of being the athletic director. Um, and so I actually incorporated cross, CrossFit into our training and everyone's like, wow, PE, we, it's fun, but it's exhausting. Coach Kim, they called me Coach Kim, Coach Kim, you're intense. I said, oh, good. Now you're gonna go to math class and you're gonna have a test and you're gonna do really well because you're welcome. It's intense. <laughs> so what, one thing um, I found interesting is you are good friends with Polk State head soccer coach, Jess Belly mm -hmm. and associate head coach, Randy Belly, mm -hmm. her husband. So, when you played as a freshman in 2007, the program reached the national NJCA tournament for the first time. Uh, they went again in 09, you were a junior at UCF then, but they didn't go again until this past season. Uh, they went 18 and two, which is the second most wins in program history behind your 2007 team. So how cool is that to see friends of yours leading the program you once played to the same destination, having the same it's level of success. It's an amazing feeling. Um, Jess can probably vouch for this. When I found out that she and her husband were the coaches of Polk State, I about fell out of my chair. And I <laughs> I remember going, wow, this is amazing. This program, they're about to win so many titles. Because I knew the coach she was back when she coached in high school. She coached against my husband's high school team. They were rivals. Um, and it was just like a nail biter every time they played each other. It was just, it could go either way. And then for a the last couple of years, it was always just his team that was winning. <laughs> so it was just really neat because I had so much respect, have currently still, so much respect for her as a coach and knowing what she can do. And it, she's not just a coach though. Like she is a character builder. She just loves these players. And I know she only has two years with each player, but if you come through any program that Jess is a part of, you are going to feel loved, like, like they're children. And then knowing that her husband, Randy, is a part of the staff as well, 
like I had told you earlier um, on our walkover, um, he was one of the assistant coaches at USF, and that was a huge program. Um, and so I knew what he was capable of, and I just thought, this is wild. They are a powerhouse couple. Like, th this, is, this is exciting. So the soccer community must be oh, so pretty small because it's crazy there are so many connections um, just from you knowing a couple people. <laughs> it's so small. I'm learning so much. I'm like, this makes you want to go watch a soccer game. <laughs> World Cup's going on right now, actually. That's really cool. That's what we need. We need TVs in our office. That's not a bad Some idea. Soccer enthusiasts. <laughs> Newfound soccer enthusiasts. Yes. Uh, no. Yay! <laughs> Kim, is there anything I did not ask or we did not ask about your, your time at Polk State or your journey here? Talk about, you mentioned uh, you were on a mission trip when you actually found out you were going to play for the Pride. What, what kind of prompted you to, to take on to be a missionary? So it was my husband, actually, um, the church that we were going to um, at the time. We, when the earthquake hit in 2010, um, our church decided to put a team together and send, send people over to help, just dive in and just help anyway. And um, my and this husband- was, This was in Haiti, correct? Pardon? The, the earthquake was- That happened in Haiti, Haiti. Okay. Thank you, sorry. The earthquake in Haiti that hit in 2010, our church sent a team over. My husband was a part of that first trip. And when he was there, like his entire time there, he just- his heart just began to grow more and more for the community and the people in Haiti. And I remember when he came back, he was like, I've got to go again. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, you want to go? I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and my heart was big on missions, but I just didn't feel like I was supposed to go at the time. So after that trip, my husband actually started leading the teams on his own um, to go there and my first, he was going for six years prior, I think about five or six years before I actually joined him. And when I did, it was life-changing. Um, I easily wanted to put like 10 kids in my suitcase and bring them home. <laughs> like they are just the most loving kids. And I just, my words to describe it was a beautiful broken country. And my heart just grew so huge for them. And I remember being there and getting passed by um, some of the kids because they thought I was actually Haitian. And so um, the gentleman that we went down to stay with uh, to support, he was like, which one do you think is, is uh, Coach Jim? They called him Coach Jim, um, his wife. And so other girls on the team, they were like, oh, her, her. And I just sat there quietly. And when they figured out it was me, oh, they were like, what? <laughs> and so I had like 10 of them try to fit on my lap at the same time. <laughs> um, so they're just so ready to love and be loved. And so it was just so, it was so beautiful and humbling experience. And to see that they have so very little, but always had joy. Yeah. That was what got me. I was like, wow, it's pure joy That's so cool. in their circumstances. So it just leaves us going back. And we took our son when he was four, he's now 10, but when he was four, he started going and it was three week trips. So he, I, it was, it was amazing for our son to be able to experience that at such a young age, um, you know, because life things don't just get handed to you all the time. So you, it was very important for my husband and I to have him see struggles and kids his own age, you know, having maybe, maybe one meal a day. And for the record, no kids were put in suitcase. No kids were put in suitcases. <laughs> I loved them all while I was there. I had to leave them. But <laughs> but we, we went back to the exact same place every single year. And my husband was going, what, 
10, almost 10 years. And I, four, before the civil unrest, it just became so um, dangerous to be there. We haven't been in a, in a couple years, which makes us sad, so. Well, Kim, before you leave us, can you share some words of advice or you know, motivation for students and the listeners? Absolutely. Um, I want to come at it from an academic standpoint to say, take it serious right off the bat, um, because once you're behind, it's hard to catch up. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> and I will say I became very studious out of nowhere when I got here to Polk. I think because transitioning from high school where I didn't take it as serious and I just, for me, sports was everything. Um, no, I didn't have homework and I did, but I wanted to play soccer instead. And so I would actually tell a white lie, actually a full lie, that I didn't have homework. Um, and so with that, that's why I wasn't deemed NCAA eligible because I literally barely made it out of high school. But when I got here, it was so important for me to change my mindset. I had never made straight A's in all my life. Um, and so that started here at Polk and it set me up for success because I no longer had to worry if I was going to make it at the next level because of academics. So a lot of people don't realize that academic piece can slow you down, or excuse me, can can change the trajectory of you know your your career, your career path. Um, and so if you don't take it serious now, it's not going to set you up for success later. And so I just want to encourage people to really take their academics seriously and not put sports first. <laughs> um, but with the sports piece, um, just enjoy it, have fun. Yes, you may be the one that is probably takes it more serious than others or be super competitive, but um, don't forget to remember to have fun at it because you'll go even further. I hear that kids, take school seriously, have fun at sports, run from coyotes, don't put kids in suitcases. There's a lot of wisdom. <laughs> that was great. Kevin, <laughs> is there anything else we didn't ask that you'd care to add? Let's see, I have a beautiful family, husband. I've been married now almost 13 years. Um, and we have three beautiful kiddos together. And um, I enjoy being an educator. I enjoy um, my career path that I'm on right now. Um, my husband's also an educator, principal. Um, so, and our daughter is in education as well. So we have a lot of a lot of that going for us. We we really like education. Okay. Yeah. Our 10-year-old during summers, he doesn't have a full free summer. He still has to read and do math, keep up his sharp skills. So we make it fun. Is he into soccer? He is definitely into soccer. Our oldest son, he actually uh, currently plays professionally. Um, and then our son, uh, who's 10, Micah, he plays um, on a premier team. And he's actually really good. Uh, he's 10 with over 300 juggles. Some kids that are 15, 16, you know, close to 18, still are at 30 juggles. He watches more soccer than I do. Um, he knows teams like players by name um, and I don't. And he'll say a name and I go, oh, is that such and such sport? He goes, mommy, no, it's soccer. Daddy, did you know so-and-so? And I'm like, wow, he just bypassed me, cool. <laughs> but those two share that special bond because they love watching soccer. Fun fact about me, I do not like watching soccer. Interesting. Yep really weird. If it's live, 
I'll actually watch it. I'll go and enjoy the atmosphere. I don't mind being there in person, but on TV. You're not sitting on the couch. I'm not sitting on the couch watching. I have not watched a World Cup game, a full game. Yep. Ever. Ever. Oh, wow. Yep. I've come in when they are watching and I'm like, oh, I stay for a couple of minutes. Messi, my favorite player. Oh, great. Oh, that was really good. Okay, guys, I'll see you soon. Yeah. And I go put on a movie. Kim, I can't really, I, I can't overstate how much we appreciate you being here with us. I know you came a long way early in the morning to, to join the podcast, and we're just so grateful you were able to, to give us a few minutes so of your so time. So happy y'all have me. Yeah, thank so you. Yeah, you radiate positivity, and I don't know, hearing your story is just so motivating and inspiring, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. We thank everyone for listening. This has been the podcast for Kim Newsom Reynolds. I am Mike Ferguson, and we will see you next time. Another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you give a soul and maybe want to tap a toe. The podcast is the official podcast of Polk State College. It'll air on the first and third Friday each month during the spring semester. You can listen to the podcast by visiting www.polk.edu backslash podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you for listening to the podcast.